is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. It's one of the best weeks of the year, Michigan, Michigan State. Before we get into this game, uh, Derek, I have to I have to know, you know, if somebody lives in Michigan, because I don't, what is this week like in the state of Michigan? Honestly, it can be pretty awful. It can be pretty toxic. Uh, saw John Bacon, you know, put out something on Twitter saying, you know, every year he hopes that, you know, we can... Uh, be a little less toxic and a little more, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but I just don't know that you can have a state like the state of Michigan that has uh, two major schools that play each other, especially uh, when they're undefeated and two top 10 teams. I, I don't know that there's really any kindness in anyone's heart, I guess you would say. Um, now, I would say it all depends on who it is. Now, I've got some really good friends who are uh, big Michigan State fans come from Michigan State families. Those are civil conversations. But I feel like when you turn to Twitter, you turn to Facebook in the comments, mm, oh boy, you do not want to be from the state of Michigan on a week like this week. What's like the worst thing you've seen or done if you want to go there? Honestly, I'd say the worst thing that I consistently, consistently see every year is the what we may call the fair weather fans or the fans that might not know more than a player or two, you know, maybe think Mark D'Antonio is still the Michigan state coach. Okay. Not that bad, but I think the worst <laughs> thing every year is the, you know, the Facebook posts and the Facebook comments between people who essentially do not know what they're talking about and what they use. Um, you know, maybe the, uh, the game from 2015, you know, they like to, you know, talk about that, you know, the botched punt that leads to a Michigan State touchdown at Michigan. You know, that's one of our worst memories as Michigan fans. But, you know, maybe people who are maybe stuck living in that kind of era of Mark D'Antonio football, um, maybe they watched then back when they were last good. Maybe they're starting to watch a little bit more. But, you know, Michigan State fans, in my opinion, are the worst fans because I feel like they come out in droves and Michigan State is doing well. And I feel like they disappear rather quickly when Michigan State is neck and neck with Rutgers and any other given season. So I'd say the worst thing is the the Facebook battles between two fans, uh, both of each team who maybe don't follow the game like you and I do. <laughs> I love talking to you about what it's like living in Michigan and like dealing with Michigan state fans, especially the really obnoxious ones, because obviously uh, here in Indianapolis, I don't deal with any of that. I mean, you get some crazed Notre Dame fans, you get some really sad Indiana and Purdue fans, but the college football scene around here just is not the same. Obviously this one coming up noon Eastern on Fox, Derek, uh, you've, if you've been reading anything or listening to anything about this game, what you've probably seen is that this is the first time these teams have met as top 10 opponents since 1964. Have you seen that out there? I have. And honestly, I, I would have even guessed longer ago um, or possibly guessed that this hadn't happened at all. You know, mostly because I, I'm not really up on my, you know, 50s around that area, 10 years before, 10 years after history. Never been good at that. It's <laughs> um, okay. But no, I knew it'd be, you know, the first time in a very long time, if ever. Um, and that's kind of obvious looking back through the last decade, decade before that, you know, you've had 
uh, years where Michigan's the better team. You've had years where Michigan State's the better team. You've had years where they both ranked, uh, and even that was rare uh, back in 2015, that game um, that I mentioned. And so this is truly a, a battle of two of the top teams in the nation this year. Uh, and I think I think at times both of them have proved they belong uh, in the top 10. And, and at times also both teams have looked uh, a little rough. You know, you think of Michigan at, uh, against Rutgers having them at home. Uh, I think of Michigan State and Indiana with Indiana, what, on their like fourth quarterback nowadays. I don't know what quarterback yeah. they were on during <laughs> that game, but it was a game where They're just Michigan letting a State... fan come down from the stands every game. And <laughs> That's what I heard. I was wondering, it around. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to you know, use some of your eligibility to, to, to get in the mixture. I know you like to you know, watch uh, Indiana as, a, as a, someone who lives in I the Hoosier to. State. So you might, might as well give it a give the old college try. I will. I mean, I should anyway. But here's the thing, Derek. So everybody's telling you that 1964 stat, but on the Go Blue crew, we like to take it just one step further and give you a little something that you might not find other places. So I did some research, okay? I consulted the Wikipedia machine. Here's what I found. The last time a top 10 Michigan team went to East Lansing, it was 2001. Michigan State won that game 26-24. That's the downer. But I promised a little something extra. Yeah, you can you you can tell your friends. Everybody's going to know that 1964 thing. Tell your friends, oh, as you know, this is the first time a top 10 Michigan team's going to East Lansing since 2001. It'll just make you sound cool. You know, I didn't know that was the last time that Michigan visited Spartan Stadium as a top 10 team, but I do know that that game essentially doesn't count in a lot of Michigan fans' mind because of the famous Spartan Stadium clock incident where game should have been over by then, but we won't revisit the past. I mean, I was all of nine. That probably means you were all of two. Uh, It was in the past, (laughs) and let's just hope that nothing ever like that happens again in a college football game. And also, you know, uh, because Michigan State is a top 10 team, I, I am hoping, I guess, for a classic. I, I know that that, you know, would, would mean a lot of stress. But, hey, man, I was at the big house this weekend, you know, lovely Michigan Stadium. Weather was average, you know, could have been colder, could have been warmer. And 10-7 against Northwestern at halftime brought a little bit more stress and weird energy through the stadium than I think anyone there expected. So I think that this would be a good game. Uh, it has all of, you know, everything it needs on paper to be a good game. The spread is is minimal uh, at the end of the day. But hey, as long as we can aclo- avoid a clock incident uh, and the game is fair and square and no refs get involved in a bad way, I think we'll all enjoy ourselves and, and hopefully the good guys come out on top. No clock incidents, and everybody just handle those snaps the way you know how. Please. Michigan, a four-and-a-half favorite. <laughs> Wolverines lead the all-time series, 71-37. There have been five ties. Uh, if you want to find some good mojo here, I guess, recently, two of Michigan's last three wins in this series came in East Lansing. So take that for what it's worth. The thing about Michigan State is that if Michigan's 7-0 and start is surprising, which I think it is to most people, Michigan State's 7-0 start, I mean, that's got to be shocking. Maybe the most um, out-of-nowhere undefeated team at this point in the season. You're talking about only the second year under Mel Tucker. And if you're with me, I was one of those people last year saying, like, Mel Tucker and every other first-year coach, that's year zero. Like, just get through it and then see where you can go. Um, But, you know, technically the second year under Mel Tucker – 
this is crazy that this is happening. Uh, they did it by taking a ladle to the transfer portal. And uh, we'll talk about Kenneth Walker the third, But uh, that's really paid off for them. So very interesting, the 7-0 team came out of nowhere. Uh, everything starts with Kenneth Walker back there in the backfield. He leads college football with 142 yards a game. Legit Heisman candidate. Uh, how surprising is that? That you know we're at this point in the season and people are talking about Michigan State having a Heisman candidate. Do you think he's uh, good enough to like turn like like make this uh, his Heisman game if it should come to that? Like like can he just blow Michigan out and come December? You know when they're playing the highlight reel for everybody who gets to go to New York. I actually don't know if that'll be in person this year, but you know all the Heisman finalists when they're doing that like. Are they showing Kenneth Walker the third highlights against Michigan? I don't think he makes it to that stage, and that is not to take anything away from what he's done. Uh, he's been, you know, the best running back in the nation at times, uh, especially if you look at the stats. You know, I feel like a lot of, of Michigan State's offense looks really good, but, you know, just talking about knowing people who are Michigan State uh, fans, you know, I saw uh, my best friend this weekend, big Michigan State fan, living in D.C. And you know, one of his comments going into this weekend is, you know, I kind of you know said, hey, you know, Michigan State's got some playmakers at running back, you know, one of the best in the nation, if not the best. Got some good receivers that are right up there in yards per catch. We've talked about earlier this year, and he said, you know, I know, but for some reason they've been struggling lately on offense. And he's right, you know, that that has been the case. I think that this is a game where you know. Kenneth Walker can definitely go off, you know, 150, uh, uh, 200 yards. You know, Javon Ringer back in the day uh, when Michigan State just started beating Michigan again for the first time in a while, had some incredible games against the Wolverines. Uh, you know, he's he's probably poised for a big game. He was a little bit quiet the week before the bye. You know, they had this weekend off, so they've had a ton of time to prepare. I think everything's going to look very scripted for Michigan State, and I think a lot of it's going to work early on uh, until they finally have to go off script. But they've got playmakers, and uh, he is definitely one of them and probably uh, who you're most scared to face heading into this weekend. Mark D'Antonio, I thought, was really good at that. Just, like, coming up with uh you know the first 15 20 plays like here's what we're pretty confident is going to work against the michigan defense and then you couple that you know with his uh uh knack i guess for dialing up like the the key trick play at some point in the game that was very good but this is basically i think of this as the anti-mark d'antonio offense they're scoring 34 points a game one of the main reasons mark d'antonio is no longer the coach at michigan state is because uh, his last few teams could not score the ball. That's the most points per game for Michigan State since 2014. Um, Michigan's defense has been solid enough, and I know uh, I've talked basically every week about how I think there are still deficiencies in the secondary. I think uh, it's going to take a quarterback perhaps like uh, Peyton Thorne to exploit that, especially because Michigan State has been really good on play-action passes this year. Do you think Michigan's defense holds up here well enough? I mean, I'm not even talking like a shutdown game. I'm just like, keep it, keep it, uh, you know, reasonable. Don't give up 45 points, something like that. Can they do that? They can do it. I think that you're going to see, just like, you know, uh, the game this past weekend, Northwestern looked terrible in the first half until they, 
you know, I think they had negative seven rushing yards. You look up after a touchdown, they have 67 rushing yards in one play. Uh, more than that, obviously, could count for the negative seven. But, you know, I think that Michigan State all year, one thing that they've been consistent with, even when their offense has struggled or become stagnant at times, is they can break off a big play like that. Uh, they are not afraid to throw the ball deep. Uh, Kenneth Walker III is going to get his he's going to get his yards you know as very uh suddenly is he held to to less than you know 100 yards i mean he's he's averaging uh, a ridiculous amount you know he's doing things numbers wise that that you know blake corum and Hassan haskins are, are doing together now obviously with the way they've played recently um you know two running backs playing well is going to be better than one so i think that's what makes michigan difference because they have a diverse rushing attack Michigan State's got a guy who is probably going to beat you at some point. You just got to hope that it's not multiple 50-yard runs, multiple 30-yard runs. So I think Michigan can can keep this game close. I think that they can keep Michigan State from scoring at will uh, and hopefully find a way to make Michigan State stagnant like they have been uh, two weeks ago before the bye. But this is absolutely a team that's going to break for a couple of big plays against Michigan. Hopefully they aren't touchdowns. Hopefully they're just, you know, putting them in good field position. Maybe Michigan can hold from there and hold them to a field goal. But, yeah, this this Michigan State offense is for real. Uh, They can score as good as anyone in the country when they're clicking. Uh, And that could definitely cause a problem for a Michigan defense that, you know, has really only – uh, bent lately. They, they haven't really broke, uh, but wow, we've seen them down the stretch, uh, obviously led by Don Brown and just kind of really fall apart. So hopefully that's not the case. I think the scheme's better this year. I think the players are adapting a lot better. Uh, I think the, you know, the way the defense is set up, guys are more likely to make big plays. Uh, so you just have to hold it together and keep Michigan State out of the end zone as, as much as possible. So speaking of running the ball, uh, a lot, I think, for Michigan hinges this week on if their two guards, Trevor Keegan and Zach Center, are able to play. They've been banged up. Harbaugh uh, didn't say a whole lot in his press conference about their status, so you're kind of just holding out hope there. I don't think Michigan is at a total loss without them, but there's no doubt uh, you know, for, for what this offense wants to do, running the football a lot, especially between the tackles. You're going to need them because Michigan State's uh, defensive strength is, is up the middle. I don't think they're going to be able to bulldoze ahead, even if you're totally healthy on the offensive line. It's going to take a diverse rushing attack. I'm a little worried that Josh Gaddis and Jim Harbaugh uh, get a little stubborn here, as we've known them to be uh, when it comes to the play calling. Uh, running two, three yards ahead, not getting anything. I worry about that. Now, the key here is that Michigan State ranks 121st in college football in passing yards allowed, 285 a game. That's last in the Big Ten. And so I feel like we come up with this question every week, but it's like, do you trust Cade McNamara to throw Michigan through this game if that's what it comes to? You know, I don't know that I do. Um, Not that he's not capable and not that it can't happen uh, because I think he's played well enough, especially on the road. Uh, or on the road at Wisconsin, on the road at Nebraska in a game where they lost the lead and you know they had to come back. He's, he's made some great throws and he's missed some uh, pretty big throws. Uh, and, and I think through seven games because of how Michigan relied on the rushing game early in the season, uh, how Cade hasn't been asked to do all that much, you know, even last weekend against Northwestern. You know, I just don't know that I've seen enough to, to like, you know, I was reading The Athletic today and 
And what was mentioned is, you know, Michigan cannot live in third and long situations where they're going to have problems. And, you know, third and long, it would be Cade McNamara time. Uh, and he's made some great third down throws this season. Uh, you've got to make a ton of great third down throws if you're going to uh, get stuffed between the tackles like Michigan State could do to Michigan. So hopefully the running game finds their way. I think I'm. I think it's more likely a Blake Corum sticks out in this game. You know, I think Hassan Haskins can play as well. Maybe get the touchdowns, get the big yards on third and shorts. I think uh, you know a guy with playmaking ability like Blake Corum with some speed, uh, elusive. You know, able to make the 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 home run plays. I think you'll probably see him break free more often than Hassan Haskins in this game. But yeah, I, anything Michigan can do to uh, make the game more manageable for Cade McNamara, because that is at the end of the day, what he's been called to do, uh, you know, you have a better chance to win, but if you're going to, you know, be third and eight, third and 11, third and worse than that, uh, Michigan's going to be in trouble probably no matter what, but maybe specifically because, you know, Cade McNamara just doesn't have enough tape for me to, to show that he can do it consistently, especially in a game that's back and forth or that you could find yourselves down early, down late, you know, just down in general. The good news here, I guess, if, if third down becomes uh, something Michigan's got to deal with all game is that Michigan State, uh, not very good on third down defensively, giving up about 40% uh, conversion rate there. So do you get the feeling that when we talk about Cade McNamara, uh, and not just us, but you know Michigan fans in general, that we talk about him like he's uh, limping out there with a bum arm and can't throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field. Uh, just kind of a guy who like earned it in the past. And so, uh, you know, yeah, go out there and like, see, do, do you feel like we talk about him? Like, like he's just, he's sitting in a, in the rocker already. Sometimes. And I, and I think that, you know, because of that, he doesn't get enough credit. You know, there's been, I think coaches back to back weeks, uh, well, there's a buy in there, but, you know, coaches back-to-back weeks they've played that have said he doesn't get enough credit. Uh, and, you know, he is doing exactly what he has been called to do. And like we've talked about all season, and, and, and most people that listen know what camp I'm in, you know, we, we knew we'd see J.J. McCarthy more. Uh, last weekend we saw J.J. McCarthy do some things with his legs that, you know, Cade McNamara wouldn't be able to do. Uh, and we, you know, we saw him make some throws uh, that he hasn't been called in to, to make uh, so far this year in the offense. So, you know, I think it's probably unfair uh, the way people, especially Michigan fans, are talking about Cade McNamara. Because as you said, you know, all he's done is win games uh, and won all of them that Michigan's played. And he's had, my goodness, he's had some really bright spots. There's been a couple of games, you know, after Nebraska, you know, even after Wisconsin, where there's some moments where you're like, wow, you know, he doesn't get enough credit. He's playing really well. All credit goes to him and his ability to manage. I think, though, ultimately, uh, even in his mind, even if it's not until next season, the writing is on the wall, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, anyone who plays at that level knows that you know, great talent is always going to come through. Michigan has not had great quarterback. They've had good talent, but they've not been able to develop guys as people maybe thought Harbaugh would. So, you know, he's got to know who Harbaugh is as a coach and and how Harbaugh must be drooling over some of the things that J.J. McCarthy does, especially with his legs. You know, it kind of looks like a a Jim Harbaugh out there in in some sense. Um, But, you know, Cade McNamara is the starter. He is going to start this weekend. He's going to have to make big plays this weekend. I just think naturally 
uh, we're going to see JJ out there and and, and hopefully uh, both quarterbacks are, are going to be able to make the most out of their time because I think just like you know that dynamic running back duel obviously much different uh, with 90% of the time going to Cade but you know they kind of have a little dual thing going on on offense at the quarterback position and, and JJ McCarthy gets in for meaningful snaps and, and absolutely will get in for some meaningful snaps this weekend so not enough credit to, to Cade but it's understandable knowing what what people are anxious for in JJ McCarthy. Well, no matter how much Jim Harbaugh might be anticipating what's coming with J.J. McCarthy, we also know that he is fiercely loyal to his quarterbacks. Right. You know, that's that's kind of the number one thing with, with Harbaugh when it comes to that position. If you watched the Fox broadcast of the Michigan-Northwestern game, and I know you were at the game, Derek, but Joe Klatt brought up a, a great point about how this game plan that Michigan typically brings to the table when you're you know looking at a team like Northwestern or you go back uh, toward the beginning of the season against Washington it's not going to work against Ohio State maybe Penn State maybe Michigan State this week Um, it's just not going to be enough and so then the question becomes is Cade McNamara dynamic enough as a quarterback as a playmaker back there to elevate your offense to where it needs to be in those type of games and if not, how much does J.J. McCarthy factor into that? Is it a just an all-out switch? Like, hey, our offense needs more. J.J., this is your game. Go get it. Is J.J. McCarthy in there for a drive here, a drive there? Obviously, most of the time when he's going in now, um, he's running the ball, unless it's garbage time for the most part. But I, that's got to be such a tough spot for everybody on that coaching staff to figure out the equilibrium you know what is called for here what's necessary and given where you stand on this Derek I'm wondering just like what even if it's not specific to Michigan State just going forward like like what is the ideal role for J.J. McCarthy is it totally taking over is it mixing him in more is it giving him drives like what is it I think it's mixing it more and giving him some drives I think you know, I mentioned I was going to say something uh, before the show about the game this weekend. And I think the most frustrating thing to me that I saw this weekend, especially with the energy in the crowd, and, you know, it's it's always great to watch Michigan on TV, but, you know, there's always obviously a different energy at the game, especially during a year where, you know, they're now 7-0. and But when J.J. McCarthy came in and all he did is, you know, scamper for, what, 26 yards and then maybe 12 or so after that, um, they pulled him out. They put in Cade McNamara uh, and settled for a field goal. And, you know, who knows what the result would have been if J.J. McCarthy stayed in. He could have thrown an interception. Uh, you know, we saw some razzle-dazzle, but, you know, if you break down the razzle-dazzle on fourth and three, really wasn't a great decision, and he actually missed uh, a wide-open man before bailing out of the pocket. He did, but yeah. I think you have to let him finish a drive that he's done something well during so good example you have two big rushes you know i know he's capable to make throws i know he's capable to to run the offense maybe he's not as comfortable doing so which is something that will definitely factor in when you visit uh, a tough team on the road uh you know just because Cade mcnamara has an advantage you know he hasn't started a ton more um, outside of this season because the season was short last year and, and injury shortened his season personally but I think you go with the safe bet at starter, but you have to sprinkle in J.J. McCarthy more and more. And I think when you start opening up his ability to throw the ball, uh, you really do have 
you know, that RPO looks completely different. You know, you have to be worried about a running back, a quarterback running it, or a quarterback with a very capable arm, as he's shown. So I think the mix is mixing him in more, uh, and hopefully that leads to letting him, you know, cap off a drive that he's at least gotten something going on. Uh, because that's got to be just an awkward dynamic in general. You know, he has two big plays and then is pulled out and watches a drive stall. You know, he's wondering why he can't finish it. Cade McNamara is now forced to go in and make plays and not be a disappointment compared to what J.J. McCarthy just did in front of 109,000 fans. So, you know, honestly, if anything, it is an uncomfortable, almost awkward situation because, you know, you're watching something unfold where someone who really hasn't made any mistakes at the end of the day might potentially lose a starting job to somebody who just is probably more talented and has a higher ceiling. So I don't know what they do. I'm expecting to see less JJ McCarthy um, than I'm wanting to see this weekend, just because I, you know, watched very carefully against Northwestern. If he didn't get a lot of time against Northwestern, it's hard to believe that he'd get more time on the road, but I think he deserves it. And I think it just allows Michigan State to, uh, you know, be a little bit more unprepared. I think they know what he can bring, but if you start utilizing him more than you have at all this season, uh, it definitely makes Michigan State adjust on the fly uh, if J.J. McCarthy's in there for a whole drive, per se. I think, you know, whether it's J.J. McCarthy being more involved or uh, getting more creative with Blake Corum, A.J. Hinning, those speedsters, I think you can count on Jim Harbaugh dialing something up, uh, even if it's something that we've seen a little bit before, uh, incorporating it more. I don't think it'll be like an overhaul of anything Michigan has already done. That would be crazy. But, I, you know, it's got to be something. I, I would expect that. So let's get on to predictions here. I've got Michigan State in this one. I'm not going to lie. I know in the beginning of the season, um, like probably most people, I marked this as a win. I didn't see a whole lot from Michigan State to make me think this is going to be a good 7-0 and team. And I know I'm not alone in that. I think Michigan State's deficiencies, I think they're they're able to overcome them a little easier than Michigan's. And uh, as we talked about earlier, I just don't totally trust the offensive play calling to come through enough. I I think you'll see some stall or yeah some stall drives that you know left a little bit uh, too much out there on the field. That sort of thing that's kind of come to frustrate us over the years. And I think Michigan State uh, it's just going to be a little better at taking advantage of, of situations and. And just finding an edge, you know, somewhere. I think that'll happen. I got 27-23 Michigan State. We got Michigan in this one, but, you know, under the assumption that they bring the total package, you know. And I'd say, you know, the, the easy answer is offensive, defense, and special teams. I'd say more so offense, defense, and do not make mistakes. doesn't matter if it's special teams, uh, turning the ball over, or, or giving up the big play on defense. Uh, I've got Michigan 24-20. to 20. I think again a close game. Uh, if the if the spread stays four and a half, you know a lot of unhappy people there. Also a lot of happy people there. Uh, but you know regardless, I, I think that this is going to be a good game. I think both teams are going to show they're clearly capable. I think both teams are going to struggle because of the opponent they're facing. Uh, but I do think that Michigan, uh, just with the the two running backs. Uh, Cade's ability to manage a game so well on the road, the poise they've had on the road, the energy they've had on the road. If they don't shoot themselves in the foot and turn the ball over early and often, uh, which they did turn the ball over a couple of, you know, 
bad turnovers against Northwestern, which is a little startling uh, to see, you know, midway through the season. You know, a lot of that looking ahead, I guess you'd rather look ahead and win by a lot and turn the ball over twice than look ahead and lose against Northwestern. But I think Michigan, you know, has enough uh, and has shown me enough that they can win this game. Uh, but Michigan State is a lot better than expected. You can also say, though, Michigan's a lot better than expected. And I just think uh, Michigan's playmakers on offense uh, and then just their absolute stars on defense, uh, I think, are going to be a little bit too much for the Spartans to handle. But, um, you know, just like your prediction, this game can absolutely go either way. Uh, and I think it will be probably the best team that wins this weekend. I just happen to think the best team is Michigan. All right. Uh, again, noon Eastern Fox college game day will be there. Uh, it's obviously big noon kickoff on Fox. Uh, one of the more anticipated games of the season, definitely one of the more anticipated games of this rivalry in recent history. So we will come back next week either way and, and talk about it and look ahead for Michigan. But man, what a big win for, for Jim Harbaugh on this Michigan program. This would be this weekend, uh, in East Lansing. So until next weekend, uh, no, next week. We're not going to talk to you next weekend. You'll be watching football games. I almost went through this whole show without messing up. Anyway, until next week, take care. Go Blue. Go Blue.